Hello everyone and welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it, I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to have taken place here in Scotland or even relate to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening to it. It really helps us out a bunch and a massive thank you to everyone who already has. Now, let's get on into it. Hello there, lovelies. How the bloody hell are we all? I hope you've all had a lovely few weeks and you've been enjoying this sunny weather. I don't think I have ever missed the rain as much as I do right now. But hey, you wouldn't be Scottish if you didn't complain about the weather, would you? Now usually when I take a wee bit of time away it's for health reasons or there is some kind of wild animal running about in my loft but this time it was actually for a more positive and productive reason. I've been so bloody busy in the best way possible. My diary is well and truly closed for the rest of the year. I've had a lot of people reach out for collabs, both podcasts, brands, products, small businesses, the whole nine yards which I'm just obviously immensely grateful for and excited for. I do have a few other things that I'm kind of working on right now but I'm going to tell you a wee bit about some of them in today's episode. So this is the part where I would usually tell you to skip on ahead if you can't be bothered listening to me but this time I'm going to ask you to stay and listen for a wee five minutes. I would massively appreciate it because these things mean a lot to me. Yeah so if you stay and you listen thank you very much. If you follow us on Instagram you will already know this but we launched our Merch with Corpus clothing last week. If you don't follow us, allow me to tell you all about it. In the last episode, I told you all about Corpus clothing and why I was super grateful and excited to work with them. They are a small clothing business who are inspired by the paranormal and are also very passionate about bringing awareness to mental health, in particular breaking down the stigma around it and having healthy conversations about it. Now, if you know me, I am very, very passionate about all these things. And I also love their stuff, so it was kind of like a no-brainer for me. So at this very moment, there is a Scottish and Scared t-shirt for sale on their website right now. It is black and it features our logo. If you don't know, the logo for the show was actually just a painting that I did many, many years before I started the show. And it just kind of sat in a dusty corner and had no purpose in life until the day I was looking for a logo. I kind of had an idea of what I wanted, but I wasn't too sure. And then I just seen it sitting in the corner and thought, yeah, why not? It's the same with the episode artwork, you know, the wee ghost. That was another painting that I did and it just sat in a corner. So now they have purpose. If you want to support me, the show, or you want to support the brand, please go to their website and buy a shirt. It would mean the world to me. I also have a discount code, which is Scottish and Scared, all caps, no spaces, that you can use at checkout for 20% off. Have a wee look on their site and see if there's anything else you fancy. I am very sure that there will be. And yeah, I'm just over the moon with it and I'm grateful that the brand reached out and asked to work with me and hopefully we can continue to work together. Everything you need will be in the episode description. I'll link the website, their socials and the code for you so please go check it out and let me know if you pick anything up. 
The next thing I want to talk about is something that I've been trying to plan for a while now and it just so happens that over the past couple of weeks everything has just kind of came together perfectly and now it's something that I'm finally able to put into motion. So in October of this year, just in time for spooky season, we will be organising a listener ghost hunt or a tour of a haunted location. I don't have an exact location, we are kind of juggling with that, we do have two in mind, we don't have a date yet either but I will be working with History and Horror Tours who as you know I'm a massive supporter of and I'm a fan. They are amazing at what they do so I couldn't think of anyone better to do this with me. It will be a ticketed event with all the money going to the tour company and will be reasonably, very reasonably priced. I will be there to take the tour with you along with some of my friends and family so if this is something that you would be interested in coming along to and you're free in October then please get in touch and let me know so I can finalise a location and date. Email us or DM us on Instagram. We really need to get an idea of numbers because if there are too many people we might need to split it into two nights which is absolutely fine. We have no issue with doing that. I know a lot of people responded to our Instagram story so we already kind of are hitting that mark of maybe we need to split this into two nights. So I'm hoping even more of you can get in touch and let me know if you would like to come um, and I can get everything sorted. If you would like to know how these tours go or just get a wee idea of what you're you're walking into. I have two episodes up. One is a ghost hunt that I did at Castle Mingus uh, and the other is a kind of haunted history tour of Bannockburn House. Go listen to those. These were both things that I did with history and horror tours. So if you're interested and you would like to kind of get a wee idea of what it's like, go check out those two episodes and they'll kind of give you a wee idea. If this event goes as well as we're anticipating it to, there will be another event early on next year. This time we're thinking about doing something a wee bit different. We were thinking about maybe organising a wee day trip to Edinburgh, maybe doing the dungeons as a group during the day and then maybe doing a wee haunted pub crawl at night. So if you can't make this one, there will be other ones you can attend and I hope that this is something that we can do often and just have some fun. And lastly but not leastly... I now have a personal Instagram account. I don't have social media. I never have. I've never wanted it. There's never been a need for it. It was becoming a wee bit of an issue trying to separate messages that were for the podcast and for me personally. And by that I mean I've been contacted about collabing, um, about stuff that's nothing to do with the podcast. It's something completely separate. So yeah, it was becoming a wee bit of an issue trying to sort through it all and keep everything separate and writing things down in diaries and stuff so we just thought it would be the best to literally physically separate them so yeah I have my own personal account and I have uh, the podcast account I still run the podcast account so if you have any questions to do with that then but please get in contact over there I'll still reply to everybody but um, sometimes I get questions that are just like nothing to do with my podcast um nothing weird or sinister or anything or creepy but just I would prefer to keep them very separate things are starting to get very businessy now so I'm just trying to keep everything as professional as possible so yeah like I said my diary is absolutely packed and I can't wait for you to see all the things that we have planned but part of that is that I have a wee bit of work centered around my tattoos and traveling outside of Scotland which I didn't 
feel was entirely relevant to the podcast, like I said. Like, I'm going to be in the States in October, uh, attending Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios, which is an absolute dream come true for me. Like, I'm an absolute weirdo, as you know, and this has been something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. So the fact that I have the chance to do it is... I want to cry. So if you're remotely interested in tattoos, horror, travel or anything like that, jump over to my personal account and give it a follow if you want to. You don't have to. Um, yeah, if you have any questions about tattoos or anything like that as well, because I do get so many questions about it, message me over there because it's just easier to keep tabs on everything. You'll probably have noticed as well that in our bio we have a new team member and Sasha's account is in there as well. Go give her a bloody follow. If you don't already know, Sasha is a relative of mine. I've mentioned her a couple of times on the show before, but um, she's my cousin, and every time I mention my cousin, people just assume that I'm talking about Shannon, but I'm not. I'm talking about Sasha. So, for those of you who don't know, she is a rel- yes, she is a relative of mine, and she is just as, if not probably more passionate about all the stuff that I talk about on the show and she is kind of single-handedly dealing with all of the admin stuff behind the scenes. She books all the events, she deals with all the travel, she takes all the pictures and she's just super organised. So she is basically the admin for Scottish and Scared. She's incredibly supportive, she's incredibly engaged, she's incredibly just wants it to do well and that's very refreshing for me and I'm just over the moon that I have somebody that I can fully rely on, that I can bounce ideas off of and who kind of just thrives in the chaos as much as I do. And yeah, everything will be linked in the episode description for you. We would really appreciate it if you could go and have a wee look. Thank you very much. And that is everything that I need to update you on. So I should just shut up and get into the thing you probably came here for, right? Today's episode is going to be a wee bit different and be something that I've never done before. As you know, I always ask you to get in touch with your own strange and unusual experiences and you do not disappoint on that front. I had a lovely listener get in touch a wee while ago now asking about Stirling Castle. Now, Stirling Castle was on the list, but I just hadn't got around to it yet. Uh, The listener that I'm talking about is, his name is Jack Jardin and I am allowed to name him. He has allowed me to do that. I'm not just outing him here. So hello, Jack, if you're listening. So we kind of went back and forward and then he told me that he had actually worked at Stirling Castle. He no longer works there, which is the reason why he's allowed to tell me this. But um, yeah, he had an abundant amount of stories that he could share. Naturally, I jumped at the chance to hear them. He then sent me over some of his experiences and I was just so impressed with how he wrote everything out and the amount that he sent over that I thought he only des- I thought he deserved his very own episode. Take it from me, writing all this stuff down takes a long ass time. So yeah, I felt it only only right to give him his own wee episode. So as part of that, Sasha and I decide Sasha and I actually decided to visit Stirling Castle this past weekend just to kind of give us an idea of the rooms and the places that Jack had talked about and obviously see the castle itself like it was on the list, you know. So I'm going to take you through our thoughts and then I'm just going to tell you Jack's experiences because who better to tell you about it than someone who has actually been in the space and knows it way better than I ever could, let's be honest. And with that, Let's get into it. Now, Stirling Castle is in the city of Stirling and it is about a 40 minute drive from Glasgow, so not too bad. We drove there and when you get there, there is parking um, like up the hill just outside it. Uh, so it's li- you can literally see the castle from the car park. But when we got there, it was full to capacity. This was about 11 o'clock in the morning. So if you're wanting to get there and you want to be parked directly outside, I would advise going very, very early. 
we had to park in the town and walk up to the castle. Now, I'm going to moan here for a minute. And I don't care if anybody doesn't like it. I'm going to moan because I'm going to moan. What I'm about to moan about is my own fault. But I'm still going to moan about it. Do not, and I repeat, do not wear Doc Martens. You are walking at a steady incline for majority of the day. And my feet were absolutely shredded in about 15 minutes. So if you're visiting, wear sensible footwear, people. I am not a sensible person. I'm all about the look. So I put my very big Doc Martens on and I regretted it immediately. And let's be honest, if I was alive during war times and I was invading the castle grounds, I for sure would have given up halfway up that hill. It is not worth it. Anywho... You do have to pay to get in. We bought our tickets prior to arriving and had to collect them from the self-service desk just inside the castle walls, which was just another fantastic experience. We spent 10 minutes trying to figure out how the hell to get the tickets out of the machine. There was a 20 number code with like a dash in the middle. So just another wee tip if you have to collect your tickets and you're scanning the barcode and scanning the barcode isn't working, you have to put the entire code in, including the dash, which now that I'm saying out loud actually does sound pretty obvious, but at the time we were under pressure, there was people standing behind us, everybody was muttering to themselves, yeah, put the dash in, in the middle. Or do you know what, make the machine so the machine does it. Simple as that, right? There was also a woman standing at the desk before us, waiting on somebody to come serve her at the self-service desk. So to be honest, we weren't the daftest there. Tickets retrieved, we made our way inside and got a wee map and yeah, we just started at the very top. Like I said, it's kind of at an incline. It's not a massive incline, I'm just a moody, moany bitch. But um, with Dot Martins on, it is absolutely brutal. So we kind of made our way right to the top and then we would just uh, we just decided to make our way back down to the front, to the entrance. I think there was about four main buildings and two gardens that we walked around, as well as the castle wall. We walked all the way around that, and yeah, we just had a really nice time. It was a really good time. It was amazing weather, um, it was really warm, and we just had a nice time. We had a good laugh, and it was amazing to be inside an actual castle, and just picturing all the people that would have been walking around and working there. It was really, really special, to be honest. Um, you can take a guided tour as well, and I'm sure that they will tell you everything you need to know about the history and stuff, but we personally just decided to walk around and have a wee look on our own. Not gonna lie to you, I'm not super interested in history, which is absolutely ridiculous considering I have a podcast that is mostly based around Scottish history. I, I'm, I'm not a big history person. I'm more into bloody history and haunted history, if I'm honest. Normal history, my brain tends to just shut off. But anyway, the views alone are worth the trip. Trust me, you could stand there all day just looking out at everything. If you have a nice day for it, it's absolutely stunning. I've put some pictures up on Instagram, so go have a wee look if you're interested. But once again, yeah, we had a fantastic time. We took our time walking around and we've seen everything. We even went into the gift shops uh, that sell, you know, very expensive stuff that we didn't buy but yeah we had a fantastic time but yeah we had a great time we both highly recommend visiting if you get the chance it's a very special place and the staff are all very welcoming and helpful and it's just a must if you're into this kind of thing if you're into this kind of thing or you have an interest in Scottish history you have to visit Stirling Castle it's as simple as that now for the ghosties part of the episode 
as you've probably noticed, I haven't really talked much about the history of the castle and there is a reason for that. Like I said, Jack had sent me over pages of his own stories and along with that, he did he did kind of talk a wee bit about the history as well. Basically, I want to give Jack full credit for everything that I'm about to tell you. Uh, it takes a long time to sit down and write all this stuff out and I just want to make sure that I tell his stories the way that he wanted them to be told. I have read through everything that he sent me, done a bit of editing just to make it kind of flow better, but everything is more or less exactly what Jack sent over. So from his, So from this point forward, I will be reading from Jack's point of view. So once again, a big massive thank you to Jack for sending all this stuff over and I hope that everybody enjoys listening to it. To give some context, Stirling Castle is the largest in Scotland. For over 2,000 years, there has been a settlement on the Castle Rock and a castle of some description has existed as far back as the 12th century. Its position as the only safe crossing of the River Forth, the gateway between Highland and Lowland, it meant that it was highly contested throughout history, being the subject of many large battles such as Stirling Bridge in 1287, Bannockburn in 1314 and Sockyburn in 1488. The castle has been besieged countless times during the Scottish Wars of Independence, the Wars of the Three Kingdoms and the Jacobite Rebellions. As a result, it has a history soaked in blood ripe for many fascinating stories and spooky goings on. On a brighter note, it was the home of Scottish royalty and for some time Stirling was Scotland's capital, the centre for royal life and host to vibrant parties, lavish court ceremonies and only a few scandals and intrigues. King James IV, V and VI, as well as Mary Queen of Scots, all called Stirling Castle home at one time or another. I have always been somewhat of a believer in the paranormal, but have usually been sceptical of places which have such high reputations of being haunted. Among the many ghosts of Stirling Castle, the ones which seem to be a hit with the locals are the ghost of the three lovely ladies. The ones I'm going to share are the most popular, but are by no means accurate in terms of historical events or records. The first of these ladies is the Green Lady, who is the most known of the three, so well known that there is a gin named after her at the local distillery. Her origin dates back to September of 1561, during the time that Mary, Queen of Scots, was living at the castle. Mary had a serving maid. She was from the Highlands and it was rumoured that she had the gift of foresight. During a bitter winter night, she had a vision that Mary would be killed in a fire while in her bedchamber. Obviously terrified, she begged Mary to stay away from the castle that night, but even though Mary trusted the girl, she couldn't just leave on the whim of a maid when she was required for affairs of state. If she wouldn't leave, then the girl insisted that she would keep watch over her during the night to ensure her safety, to which Mary agreed. And so she did. She sat awake with only her candle light for company, but as the night wore on, the candle began to melt away and the girl felt how her eyelids become heavier and heavier and she thought to herself maybe it wouldn't hurt for her to close her eyes for a wee while just for a second her eyes closed and as she drifted off to sleep the melting candle fell out of her hands and to the floor igniting the drapery on mary's bed and spreading across the room at lightning speed the girl woke from her sleep just in time to rescue mary from her bed but not in time to save herself as she succumbed to the flames and smoke there are some historical records that mention a fire in the Queen's quarters during September of 1561, but there is no mention of the death of a young maid. The spirit of this lady is often seen and felt around the castle, but mostly in the palace and King's old building. 
when she is se- when she is seen, it's often accompanied by the feeling of overwhelming sorrow. When she appears, she is seen as a green haze or a mist, although people have reported seeing a full-body apparition wearing her signature green dress. I have never experienced her myself, but one of the cleaners claims to have seen the lady while cleaning one early morning in the Chapel Royal. The woman who witnessed it was a very tough woman who didn't scare easily, but she refused to return to that location alone for a very long time afterwards. There is also a story that if the Green Lady is seen by someone, that a tragedy will soon befall the castle. Moving on to the second lady, the Lady in Pink. Now, she is believed to have been a young woman who fell in love with a soldier in the castle garrison. She was the daughter of the castle governor and as a result, their romance was forbidden. I think we can all guess where this one is going to go. Even though they were forbidden to see one another, they found a way to keep their flame alive right under the nose of her father. As with all stories like this, however, it sadly was not meant to last. We aren't sure what became of her lover, but we can safely assume he perished in one of the many occasions that the castle came under siege. Her heart broken from the death of her lover and unable to deal with pain, the young lady decided to take her own life, to be with her lover once again. It's believed she did this by jumping from the castle rock, perishing in the valley below. Now this is where the spirit is most often seen. She's seen wandering around what is now a kirkyard, still looking for her lost lover. It has been a while since she was last seen on the castle grounds, but locals often claim to see her on cold winter nights wandering around the kirkyard. Which is just really sad, guys, isn't it? That's just really horrible. And lastly, but not leastly, the Black Lady. No one really knows the origins of the Black Lady, but she is seen most often in the guardroom square. She can also be seen on Stirling's Back Walk, which is a sheltered footpath that connects the castle and the town, where she has been known to frighten off some youths now and again. This spirit's presence invokes complete terror for anyone that sees her, turning their blood cold. As far as I am aware, there is no origin story for her, but I hope to be corrected one day. Of the three ladies, she seems to be the most sinister. When I worked there, the most active place in the castle, from my experience, was James V's palace, a beautiful Renaissance building built in the French style. It was built for James V's second wife, Marie, and I'm not going to pronounce her surname because I'm going to butcher it, and features separate sleeping quarters for monarchs as well as rooms for them to entertain guests. On the top floor, which would have initially housed a nursery, as well as more private rooms for the royal family, but it is now home to the Stirling Head Gallery. The gallery doesn't look very scary or haunted in the traditional sense, seeming very modern. However, looks can be deceiving. A colleague of mine was opening up the gallery one day when he heard feet running on the floor nearby. He noted the distinctive slapping sound of bare feet on wooden floor. The steps grew louder as they drew closer until reaching where he was standing and passing him completely. He seen nothing but heard the sound of feet clear as day. This colleague is an ex-policeman and doesn't spook very easily as you can imagine but this experience definitely shook him up. On another occasion myself and a colleague heard the sound of a child laughing as we opened up this area early in the morning. We turned to one another and said it's an hour too early for customers to be here. But we checked it out just in case. Then we heard the laugh again. So we secured the entire area until reaching the exit at the other side, which was a locked security door. No one could have got out without one of us seeing them. 
This is a regular thing that staff have reported in this area. The sound of footsteps, children laughing and the sound of children playing. In the evening after closing, the castle often hosts many different types of events, such as functions, parties, weddings, all that kind of thing. On a cold November night, myself and another staff member were posted on fire picket inside the King's Inner Hall. We had locked up the Heads Gallery earlier on in the night and knew that no one else had access to that area nor needed it for the event. So as you can imagine, we were very surprised to hear the sound of footsteps running around above our heads. Lots of footsteps. It sounded like a small group running around up there. We both heard it very clearly and another staff member passing by also commented on it as well. So then we knew we weren't hearing things or we and we weren't going mad. A wee while later, the sound of footsteps was replaced by the sound of moving furniture. It sounded as though someone was dragging something very heavy across the floor. So I retrieved the keys and started my ascent up to the gallery. I could still hear the noises as I went and I won't lie, as a grown man, I was trembling with anxiety. But I needed to make sure someone wasn't breaking in. The closer I got, I could still hear the noises just around the corner. At this point, it was almost deafening. I stumbled on my next step, which caused a rather loud clatter on the floorboards. Immediately, the noise stopped. As I entered the room, nothing was out of place. Nothing had been moved or dragged. The room was completely empty. To say that I was creeped out was an understatement. I returned to my colleague downstairs and told her what had happened. About 20 minutes later, the footsteps begun again, but nowhere near the level that they were before. I guess they learned their lesson. The castle's great kitchens, subterranean vaults that once housed the castle kitchens, brew house and butchery were all very active as well. It looks the part by being very dark and full of mannequins. The spirit that resides down there seems to have a disliking for women being in the area. Women would report having a ghostly hand on their shoulders or being likely pushed as if to lead them away from the area. I was personally approached often by female guests to report incidents just like this. They would seem very nervous sometimes, probably thinking that I would think they were daft, until I said, let me guess, your shoulder. Apparently, in the 90s, there was a ghost hunt where they contacted a spirit named John, who seemed very, very unhappy with the female presence, but he did not come off as aggressive. He just insisted that they respect the area that he saw as his own. Just beside the kitchen is Elphinstone Tower, now in a state of ruin. It would have been home to the constable of the castle during medieval times. In this area, soldiers are often seen in Highland dress, so solid in appearance that they are often mistaken for reenactors. A wee story goes like this. An American woman suffered a fall inside the tower some years ago. Her friend rushed to find her help while she waited where she had fallen. It was then that two soldiers in kilts took her by the arms and escorted her up the steps and outside to await a first aider. As she sat, she turned to thank the soldiers for helping her, but they were gone. She asked a staff member to thank the reenactors for their help that day and the staff member, obviously confused, told her that there weren't any reenactors in the castle that day. The soldiers are regularly seen and are believed to be very friendly spirits. There is even a famous picture taken of one of the spirits in the castle simply called the Highland Soldier. A lesser known spirit appears to be a hooded monk. 
He isn't reported as often as other spirits and is very rarely seen, which may actually be a good thing as he's known to fill those who see him with absolute terror. A workman stayed late one night during the autumn to fix some of the floodlights on on the front of the gatehouse. It was pretty standard work that he had done many times before. As he was working, hunched over the light, he heard one of the lights behind him shuffling. Upon turning, he saw the area behind him completely empty. Nothing of interest to be seen. As he turned back to the light, he saw the dark robes of the monk. Looking up, he saw the hood shrouding a face in complete darkness. He explained the feeling to me as pure, sheer terror. The most frightened he had ever felt in his life. As quick as the monk appeared, he was gone again. The workman rushed to finish and was out of there as quickly as he possibly could. The monk is believed to be a spirit that is always watching but is rarely seen. He is also said to be the cause of the overwhelming feeling of being watched in the gatehouse in the gardens area. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of Jack's amazing stories. They're absolutely awesome. I had such a great time reading them. Uh, But the last one creeped me out so badly for some reason. When I read it and I was like retyping it, I was sitting alone in my bedroom um, and the lights were off. So yeah, I was a wee bit creeped out. It made the hair stand up on the back of my neck, which is really hard to do to me. So yeah, it, it massively creeped me out. Part of me is so jealous that you got to work somewhere so haunted. But then the other half is glad I've never worked somewhere like that because I'm pretty sure my hair would have fallen out from stress and anxiety. For all that I love ghosts and I talk about these kinds of things all the time. I love horror movies. I love all that stuff. I... I'm such a wimp, like I'm just so, I'm such a wimp, I really am, like I really am. Jack did send me some more stories um, and he has more that he's willing to share with me, um, but I'm going to save them for another listening episode that I'm going to be doing very, very soon. We had kind of gone, like I said uh, at the start, we did kind of go back and forth a wee bit, just having general conversation and Jack had actually told me that the company who own and run Stirling Castle, who are Historic Environment Scotland, they do not allow their employees to talk about ghosts or hauntings, which I think is pretty interesting and a wee bit odd, to be honest. When we were there, there was nothing um, in the entire castle that even mentioned a ghost, a spirit, anything like that. Um, so it's not surprising. But yeah, I've heard that quite a lot, um, that places don't like you to talk about this kind of stuff. And I've actually reached out to places as well to ask if any of their staff would like to share any stories um, just to make it a bit more interesting and I've literally had nothing back, like they've just ignored me. So yeah, I don't think places like that for some reason and I don't really understand why because to be honest, this community, and by that I mean like people that are into the paranormal and stuff like that, is massive, like it's such a massive community. There are so many people out there who dedicate their lives to just traveling around the world and visiting haunted places so to me it kind of feels like you're missing out on a business opportunity there because if you advertise somewhere as haunted people are probably going to book it just because it's haunted never mind the people who want to see it for other reasons Um, and I don't really understand why people are so offended by that if you don't believe in ghosts then don't talk about ghosts don't look for ghosts but yeah, I feel like you're kind of missing out on a massive business opportunity there. I know for a fact that I've looked at hotels b- based on the fact that they are haunted and I have wanted to pay insane amounts of money to stay somewhere based on the fact that it's um haunted. But that's just me. 
I know there are people who are sceptical and they don't believe in ghosts, which is completely fine. But yeah, what's your thoughts on that, people? Do you think that places should advertise being haunted or do you think it kind of, do you think it changes a place? Do you think it changes how people look at it? Let me know your thoughts. But anyway, that is all I have for you today. Massive, massive thank you to Jack for providing today's stories. I loved reading them and I really hope that this is something that we can keep doing with other listeners' stories as well. So if you have any stories or requests, please send them over. I'm happy to fulfil those requests. I'm happy to read out your stories anonymously if you want. Um, I have a very large list to work through, but I will get to them eventually, I promise. Make sure you check out Corpus Clothing and grab a t-shirt if you can. All the information is in the episode description as well as the discount code. I'm super happy to be back and I will be back with you next week for some more shenanigans. I hope you all have an amazing weekend and I will see you in the next one. Stay weird, stay scared. Bye folks. (laughs) 